This is Recovery in Life, Episode 9, My Successes. Welcome, this is Recovery in Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sebring Sands, and I'll take you through my journey of recovering from pornography addiction and help you understand common and most important recovery principles, as well as helping you live life to the fullest. Welcome, everyone. Sorry it's been a little while. I've just been taking time to enjoy my life. Um, I completed my applications for PA school and have been resting and having fun with my family. But also I've been contemplating what I want to do with the podcast and where I want to head, things I want to talk about. And that's taken some time, some introspection. But I think I I know a direction I want to go. I also want to improve the quality a bit and prepare a little bit better. Um, especially I feel like I've left out things that I wanted to talk about in the past and and not covering some things. So I'll try to do a better job with that in the future. Um, but today I'm going to talk about my successes. And this I wanted to talk about because so often not in recovery, you know, we get into the humble warrior mindset, which is essential. But we off, often tend to overlook our successes or downplay them or not even acknowledge, acknowledge them, thinking it's some sort of penance for all the all the hurt and betrayal that we've caused either our spouse or friends or family but simply not the case that's it's definitely a um, false belief um so i'm going to talk about some of my successes the small and the big because i think they are all successes and are very important to me in my recovery um a very important success that i have is creating a team. Before, I would basically do it alone. I would go to 12-step and talk about it, but I really didn't reach out to anyone. I was, I thought it was awkward, didn't, not, didn't know what to talk about, and I never really had anyone to help, help me. Um, but after my last, right when I started recovery, I reached out to a friend, um, also another person um, in my family, and started to connect. And it was amazing because they shared like experiences and really could empathize where I was. And and from then on, I created, you know, not a huge team, but several people that um, I can be confident in that they can empathize with me, validate my feelings, help me process, and also um, keep me accountable, not only in how I view the world, bringing me back to reality, but also helping me understand and work through denial and other things that I need to cut through and not seeing and need to see from an outside perspective. And this is essential to create a team to and always be changing that team as we move on in life things change we move um we're not as close to friends as we once were and constantly updating that team and bringing people in um that we feel like will help us um in recovery is very important 
and a skill that, you know, we can always improve upon and work at as we do create that team. And when I when I did join a therapy men's group, I increased that group. I increased my team to those members of this group because obviously they knew all the stuff that I was dealing with and knew me on a very personal level because I was very vulnerable. Just the nature of therapy makes you be vulnerable with the people in there and that trust is strengthened a ton. And I reach out to them and they help me and I can help them. And that's also very um, important uh, way to get members of your team. Also, if you're in a 12-step or essay group, um, those members are very important to reach out and to include because they know you already. They know maybe not personally as much as in your addiction or your recovery. So they know um, they know you on that level, and that's important because they're also dealing with the same things and can empathize with you better than most people. So that's something to think about. Another thing that I really didn't think was even a thing to do or a skill to have, but to be vulnerable. I really never was super vulnerable with myself or with my wife or anyone. And that has really been eye-opening and has led to some of the, I think the best moments of my life, but most important ones where I can overcome a lot of either false beliefs I have, stuff that's happened in my childhood that's just how I've incorporated that into my life as an adult. And it helps me connect on the super deep level. I never had really good deep conversations with my wife before, like I mentioned in earlier podcasts. Um, But since going to this therapy group, it almost forces you to be vulnerable just with the assignments that were given. It really digs deep at, you know, false beliefs that we have, other images that we have of ourselves, and it breaks those down and really shares those, those secret place things I've never told anyone and never haven't really confronted myself because of not really wanting to think about it or wanting to um, think back and relive some of those things. And with my marriage, we can talk about the hard stuff and it is hard and it's tough to work through, but we know we can do it. And we need to do it. Um, like the other day, after um, losing our fourth child to miscarriage, um, my wife, we named, so we had one other child that she delivered vaginally. And this last time was the second time that she had to, the, the baby came out vaginally. We named the first one, but I was very hesitant to name the second one because I felt like, like all of our, I don't want to name all of our names that we have for children or for our dead children, and I was just not in a good place at the time. But after a few months later, you know, we were on a hike, and well, before that, she was wanting to name our child, and I give it, I give it a thought, and realizing, you know, that probably is. A best thing we can do and it was, it was very difficult for me at least to 
to accept that we had this child was, you know, we we can't raise this child right now and we are going to name it. It just becomes that more much real and it was difficult, but but also accepting that reality is freeing because I'm no longer um, imprisoned by my fear or my grief, but, you know, letting it, letting, helping me ride the wave of those emotions and moving on and accepting that. And it has been really awesome to refer to um, our baby as a person with a name. It is actually very um, liberating in that respect. And one one of the other um, successes I have is getting on the sobriety mindset. I think right, like I've always had it going, you know, since D-Day, since I told my wife of my addiction. I've always measured my success in sobriety and my failure in the lack of sobriety. I always compare my sobriety with others. And I was not in recovery and I kept you know, night-neckling to the next relapse, and it wasn't very successful. But getting out of that mindset recovery or the sobriety mindset was very freeing. And when I started recovery and therapy, I still, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, looking at my sobriety and feeling very good about it. And after a while, it just didn't matter anymore. Realizing that being vulnerable, being honest, you know, working through my emotions, processing, connecting with others are very way more important than counting my sobriety. If I relapsed and doing those things in or white knuckling and not and having sobriety, the the recovery part is way more valuable in the long run. It might not seem like it. You might feel like we are having success and tangible and our wife's not getting at us because our wife's not angry at us or being triggered because we're not relapsing and it's great, but also we're suffering because we're still not knowing how to handle life and our greatest coping mechanism tool isn't available to us. It's just suffering and it's not happiness and just leads to more maybe even regret or resentment in not being able to to do that so that is one of my biggest successes is getting out of that and in for a while to keep a check on it but now I don't because it's been a while and I don't need that to I don't need that because I am secure in my recovery and you know that was a good measuring stick for a while but now it's not very valuable to me and I think everyone will get that way once they are in once they are in recovery. Is that no longer is an important indication of success, but our connections, our relationships, our connections with ourself and other things, and keeping to our core values and overcoming false beliefs. That's what the measuring stick that we go by, and how we really attain joy in recovery. Loving myself has been an issue for a long time because I hated almost a core core 
part of myself, which is my addiction. That, is, that has been a part of me for a long time. I've almost built my identity around keeping that hidden and keeping that separate from other parts of my life. Obviously, that's not the whole being, but I always hated myself for even having it and you know, knowing that other people didn't and just hating myself for that and not liking how the person I have become. But in recovery, you know, taking that part out of myself and realizing that is not my true self and pulling back the layers of masks that I've built up over the years, really, you know, enjoying who I am and embracing my likes and my dislikes and not trying to be a different person and not trying to show other people who I am supposed to be, especially my wife. Like I, you know, in the early part of my marriage, I feel like I did things out of, you know, penance for, even though she didn't know my addiction, you know, feeling like I owed her because I was betraying her and, I didn't even know at the time, but she did feel a disconnection from me because of my addiction. Um, But I would do things out of obligation and penance and uh, just trying to hopefully like this will make up for all the things that I'm doing. But now being in recovery, it switched to more, you know, I want to do because I do love her. I do want to help the family. Um, I do, um, I can tell her the things I truly do love, the things I don't like, and that's okay, and that's me, and, you know, I can accept my imperfections, my balding <laughs> appearance, my, my everything, because, you know, that was, that, that is me, and I can't change that, and and life myself has been very liberating and freeing because I don't have to impress others. I don't have to be fake and try to try to be people who they think I want to be. But knowing that people that do are my friends, they like me because I am myself and not trying to be others. And I like them because they're not trying to be some other person, some fake person and or trying to distract me doing something else, hiding the fact that I do have an addiction. We all know each other really well. And we don't have to worry about that. And that's awesome. And in therapy group, it's awesome to see others be really true with themselves and with the with with the group. Because, you know, that is the way we should be living authentic and intentional. And if people don't like that, that's their homework to do. Obviously, character flaws we can work on. Um, sometimes I'm annoying to my wife or I get a little too intense playing with my, my daughter and, you know, those things, you know, will not be perfect, but I can improve on those, but I also can improve on my strengths and the things that really make me me. And that's exciting. And that's one of my most important joys in recovery is even acknowledging that I can love myself and to, and to pursue that in in recovery. And by loving myself, I've been able to get to know myself, um, really know what do I really like 
what do I not like? And it's okay to like those things, and it's okay to not like those things. I don't have to, like, because of things in the past, accept things that I might have liked or people think I've liked. I don't have to hold on to those because, you know, it's us. You know, they don't have to live our lives, and we can choose. And if things change, they change, and that's okay. And we don't have to live in the shame of, of trying to appeal to others' ideals, even parents. You know, I like things that my dad, my parents probably wouldn't like or think I would like, and that's okay. I don't ma- That doesn't matter to me. Um, and I own that, and it's exciting to explore that more in my life, as, especially as I get older. Um, I'm really getting to know myself, having it, having put that off for so long because I've been so busy with my addiction. It's it's great to just get back to my roots and to see what things that are meaning to myself. Another thing um, is I mentioned briefly a couple months ago, finding my strengths. This has been very hard because I felt like this, you know, in order to be penitent and humble, I needed to, you know, cast shame on myself and never having accepting anything good that I could have done and that's not true as just as much as we own our mistakes and our weaknesses we have to own our strengths and that's been you know difficult to navigate but also very important I have I'm good talking with people I can relate to people I, I can be empathetic I can you know I'm hardworking other things like that and that's okay and then and so if it's similar to things the other person, it'll be completely unique. Obviously, some things are going to be similar, but these are my strengths, and I can focus on those things rather than only my weaknesses, only my failures, because um, a lot of the times our failures are born out of our strengths, and it's just a misapplication of them or a not effective way of using them. Um, such in group couple weeks ago we did this activity where we tell each other kind of our masks and it was very eye-opening I knew some of the things that people said to me but realizing a strength that I have I was it was it was becoming a weakness in group because it just wasn't letting that strength shine and using that strength to help others but kind of just holding back and keeping it to myself which is you know, not effective use of that and things like that. I've been really, um, really have been mindful of and working on to improve. And like I said, owning and accepting my mistakes and weaknesses is very important because obviously, you know, things we've done not necessarily are our complete fault, but most of it is. And accepting that and moving on is very important that we we linger in those faults and mistakes and we never get past them never can really forgive ourselves of those it helps no one it helps helps it doesn't help ourselves in recovery it doesn't help a spouse or a family member or anyone close to us um it doesn't but also owning but not owning the things that we've done um doesn't let us be accountable to those things and learn from them and recover for them and help repair them. So that's a fine line to walk, owning them without going into shame and living in that shame, but 
finding a way to move on and working past those things. And if they get brought up and, you know, thrown back in our faces, we can accept that and own the things that we've done, not accept the things that we didn't do and to work through that. And that's life, really. You know, we'll be doing things. I'm not perfect and I do things that I know I probably should have done better. I could have done better now as I did in the past. But I own those things. I work to improve it. But also I don't take responsibility of things that I'm not responsible for. And that confidence grows with recovery. Like mentioned, my therapist mentioned several times to us in group, we come in in a one down position because we have this addiction and we've hurt either a spouse or a loved one so much. So we're, we're on this one down position and we feel like we have to maintain that. But really we're not in our partner or spouse doesn't want us to be in that one down position because that's just showing up small and with low integrity but we need to rise to the occasion and we can and then and when when we work through it even if we have relapses we're truly working on a recovery we become you know an equal playing field with um, our spouse or partner or whoever and we can share our our feelings and our interests and our weaknesses and things that annoy us or things that hurt us. You know, we can we can say those things. And it's important to say those things because we want to just be compliant and quiet and resentful for the rest of our lives. That's not good for anyone. But also we need to create that safety by being vulnerable, by accepting vulnerability and empathizing with people that are vulnerable with us or else that won't be reciprocated and another um, one of my things is getting out of an all or nothing mindset it also deals in with catastrophizing a little bit I def- I'm definitely still working through that but it's not as severe I have this all or nothing mindset where I have to go all in or if I can't go all in or if I'm not going all in at the time I'm just going to give up And also if, you know, worrying about the littlest things being overblowing them to the worst possible cases just isn't helpful in life. And that's my white point now. It just makes her more worried and more stressed. But um, this is a very important false belief that I've overcome. And it's a very prevalent false belief. I don't know, maybe it's being an addiction. We kind of create this one or think, or it's overblown. I'm not quite sure where it stems, but for me, um, used to worry about the smallest things. I think a lot of it, I felt like I would miss out. Um, if I was late for things, I would, you know, won't be as enjoyable if I missed a lot of church or was late to a family function. But really after getting there, didn't really miss anything. And I have to remind myself that, you know, that would be the case, and it's okay, and to let let go of that control. An all or nothing mindset um, has portrayed in my in my school life, in my um, personal, so spiritual life, where if if I do make some mistakes, it's not the end of the world. I can continue, yeah, working the things that I want to work on. But also understand that I'm not perfect, and I will fail at things, and that's okay. 
because failures are important to learn from. And if we keep repeating the same ones, that will tell us something about a strategy or a way we're doing things is not very effective. And we can go and be vulnerable with others um, to, to help us work on those things and to work through the mud and, and the fog of, of these false beliefs. And that's what, you know, the, it's important to look at successes because these things might seem very small to others, but to me, these are huge and realizing you have had recovery, even listening and wanting to improve and getting a recovery is success. Um, obviously we can't just stay there. We have to move on to get more success, but it, it it's, rec- it's important to recognize successes. And next week, I will talk about some of the failures I've had because there are many, but they are very important and led to my successes and led to the recovery I have had. And I wouldn't trade them for the world. Some of them I could have avoided, obviously, but others I couldn't have and I need to learn. And that's just life. Life is hard. Life is challenging. Life's going to bring us, you know, joys and heartaches. And that's recovery is working through them and working with them with a team of people who love you and people that support you in loving yourself and supporting yourself through these hard times. It's very important. So I'll talk to you next week with another episode. everyone for joining me and listening to this podcast if you know of anyone out there that would benefit from listening to this podcast feel free to reach out to them and let them know that this podcast exists i greatly appreciate that have a great rest of the week bye